Welcome to Bold Faith with Courage Molina, a place where you get empowered and equipped to be who God has called you to be, do what God has called you to do, and go after everything he said you can have without hesitation or apology. Let's go. All right, let's get into this week's sermon. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I am so excited to be here with you. I am Pastor Courage Molina of Bold Faith Community Church. And um, Bold Faith Community Church is an online church where women are falling in love with the Word of God. We are a Bible studying church, which really means that we are studying our Bible every week. So today I'm going to teach from... Um, Acts chapter 18. It means that the members of this church have been studying and reading chapter 18, preparing their hearts uh, and their minds for a word from God, right? Be sure to drop where you are tuning in from. Hey, Tiffany, I see you out in ATL. As y'all come in the room, be sure to drop in the chat where you are tuning in from. Also, be sure to like this video if you already know you're going to like this video. And take the time to share as well. You don't know who is available right now. You don't know who needs to hear this word from God. So go ahead and just hit that share button. Send it to a friend. Send it to a family member. Send it to a foe. You know what I'm saying? Send it to any, send it to any and everybody you know. Hey, Adrian, so glad that you are here. Um, so what else can I tell you about Bold Faith Community Church? You know that we're an online church for women, Bible studying church. What that means is that we have Bible study journals, so that you can have support throughout the week. If you don't have a Bible study journal, you can get one from the church's website. Go to boldfaithchurch.org. You can go to boldfaithchurch.org and get your Bible study journal from there. That's it. I'm ready to get in because I, I actually feel like this morning I may not get through all of it. I don't think I've ever felt like I might not get through all of it. I always think, Oh, I'm not going to be before you long. This is going to be short and sweet. But today I feel like I'm not sure if I'm going to get through all of it. So I just want to get into it. Um, chapter 18 was just so rich and um, there's just so much to learn. So let's get into it. Okay, Baltimore, you know what I want to do? Give me a second. I also want to have you guys go ahead and share. You know, we did this last time. Take 30 seconds to share, share, share. Do that. Hopefully that gave you a chance to share. Before we get into Acts 18, um, let's go ahead and pray. God, we just thank you for an opportunity to get into your word. I pray that as we go through Acts chapter 18, God, that you give us a word for us right now, that we are encouraged and we are emboldened to do the work that you're calling us to do through this, that we don't allow the revelation that you give us to fall 
on deaf ears, God, prepare our hearts so that we are good soil, so that we hear this word, we receive this word, and it transforms the areas of our life that you've sent it to touch. In your son, Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, all the way from California. Good early morning to you, California. Good early morning to you all the way out in California. All right, so this is coming from, let me go ahead and put this up for you. This is coming from Acts chapter 18. I'm actually going to go through um, a lot of the sections from the entire chapter. Read with me Acts 18. I'm going to be reading from the NIV, right? The new, the new international version. Y'all with me when you are ready with Acts 18, you're going to put amen in the chat. Amen. Amen. Let me know you're ready for Acts chapter 18. If I get one amen, I'm going to be ready to go. Okay. So go ahead and put that in the chat. We'll do some background today as well. And as always, be prepared to stay after for the bold life group. That's really when it comes alive. Like this is great and we're ready and you got your Bible and this word is going to be really good. But what makes Bold Faith Community Church, church, it are, you know, is that we get together in community. Do you know what I'm saying? All right, y'all are ready. Um, chapter 18. After this, let me pause. This after this part, because last week, if you guys remember, and that means in chapter 17, Paul was in Athens. And so he was in Athens and, you know, some of the people came to know Jesus. They began to be followers and they believed um, even some uh, even a member of the council did. And so now we're picking up in chapter 18 after this, after this whole thing happened in Athens, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife, Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius, Justice, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. While Galileo was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews of Corinth made a united attack on Paul and brought him to the place of judgment. This man, they charged, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. Just as Paul was about to speak, Galileo said to them, 
if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names in your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he drove them off. Then the crowd there turned on uh, Sothenus, the synagogue leader, and beat him in front of the proconsul. And Galileo showed no concern whatsoever. Verse 18. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Centria because of a vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia, Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria in Egypt, um, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, amen, right? Amen. So let's get a little background um, about Corinth. So Paul goes from Athens, and y'all remember Athens is a place where they had a lot of gods. They have, they are all about philosophy and thinking and pontificating. They had all these idols all over the place, and they were just worshiping all kinds of things. They even had an altar to an unknown God. And so Paul leaves there and goes to Corinth. He leaves Athens and goes to Corinth, which is another city in Greece. Um, it's the most important city in Greece. It's a city of wealth and a city of um, luxury and immorality. So he went from bad to worse as far as environments are concerned. It is, it's, um, you can consider it like Sin City, right? So they are doing, they doing a lot of drinking and partying and other immoral things, you know? Um, they were devoted to the worship of Poseidon which is a uh, Greek god. Poseidon is like a, the god of the sea, which makes sense because they got their wealth from the sea. But their greatest devotion was to Aphrodite, the goddess of love. So they drinking and doing what? Okay, you, you follow. And so that's where uh, Corinth is. And that is where 
that's where Paul meets Priscilla and Aquila. Who are they? They are a picture of partnership and marriage. They're a team. Um, they operate as one in marriage and in ministry. And their, their relationship, we'll see, we're going to look at the scripture now, their relationship really shows what God can do through a husband and wife. A lot of times when you hear conversations about marriage, it's about what's going on or what should be going on between a husband and wife, how the husband should treat the wife and how the wife should treat the husband. We don't hear a lot of conversations about um what God is doing through married couples or, or what God wants to do, or what his purpose is to do through my married couples, not just between them. And so we're going to get to see a picture of that here. Um, they supported Paul and his ministry. Then they mentored, mentored. They also hosted a house church eventually. So those are the people that Paul first meets. Um, and so Paul meets Priscilla and Aquila in Corinth and they are tent makers and he's a tent maker. And so he's making tents with them. Here's the thing. Paul is making tents and doing this tent making instead of preaching every single day because he needs this support. Right. Um, he kind of he needs the support. So that's why we see Paul doing that. And then Silas and Timothy arrive. And Paul is able to preach and teach the word, you know, basically every day. He gets this pushback. He's like, you know what? I'm going to leave. He literally goes right next door. You know, they he preaches at this house. And one of the synagogue leaders, you know, comes to know Christ, becomes a follower. The Lord encourages him. And then he stays there for a year and a half. Then Paul leaves there after that year and a half. And then he goes to Syria. When he does leave for Syria, Aquila and Priscilla go with him to Ephesus. And when they get to Ephesus, Paul separates from them. He goes on and Aquila and Priscilla then meet this Jew called Apollos. And Apollos comes in, he's highly educated. He's a great orator and he starts teaching boldly and, but he's only got this thing in part. And so they pull him aside and um, they mentor him and, and now he's ready to go. And so he, he's ready to go. He wants to go to a new place and they encourage him. Not only do they encourage him, but they write a letter him right so i know we read it but i just like to give another summary now let's go deeper so the reason that that priscilla and aquila were in corinth is because they were kicked out of rome they were kicked out of rome by one of the caesars they were all called caesar just for the record um by caesar and um and it was because listen these jewels they cause a lot of problems because there was always conflict. There was conflict between the Jews and those who believed in Jesus. And so there was always a riot. There was always something going on. And they wanted to keep the peace, right? The leaders of Rome who were not Jewish, who were not part of the religion, they wanted to keep the peace. And so, you know, in some cities they were kicked out and that's what they were kicked out for because there was always some type of nonsense. But here's the thing, had the Jews not been kicked out of Rome, then Aquila and Priscilla probably wouldn't have been in Corinth to meet Paul. So this thing that seemed negative, God was able to work for their good. Any of you ever been through something and it's like, you know, now I got to move or now I have to find a new job or now it's not going to work the way I thought it was going to work or, you know, something actually negative happens, but then it turns out, okay, well, if I hadn't been laid off at that job, then I never would have found this opportunity. Oh, if I hadn't tried to move in this space, then I never would have met my spouse. 
Oh, if I hadn't gotten rejected, I had a student one time, his whole, the whole time I had him as a high school student, there was one school he wanted to go to. He wanted to go to this one school. That's where he knew he was going to go. I had him from freshman, from the time that he was a freshman, he was going to go to this college. He was going to this college. And then guess what? He did not get in. He is super smart. He worked very hard. He really, in my opinion, you know, everybody just assumed he would be able to go. But guess what? He he didn't get, he was, uh, he was not admitted. He was not accepted. He was not, he did not get that letter that he wanted to get. So he ended up going to another college. But do you know what he met? What happened at that college? He met his wife at that college. They are not married now. They're now married. And they just had a baby, I think, like this year or last year. So this thing, this door being closed, this rejection, we can see that God worked it out for their good because he is intentional. Right. And this was right at this was at the perfect time for Paul. I mean, the Lord just be oh, I got to change my my city. Um, the Lord just be putting things together for us, even when we don't realize it, because when Paul gets to Corinth, this is also in a season of Paul's life where he's got to make some money. And some of the other spaces and other places that he was in, he was able to just preach all day, teach all day, be in the synagogue every day. Here it says that he was there making tents and in the synagogue on the Sabbath. So they were tent makers. They were making tents for money. He was working. He got a job, right? So he had to support himself. This God is so intentional. It is no coincidence that the very people who had got kicked out of Rome ended up in this place also had to also were tent makers. Turns out Paul was a tent maker and that was a skill that he could use to make some money. So he worked with them. They hosted him. Paul had to work to support himself. So he ministered on the Sabbath only. He did not allow his financial situation to keep him from his purpose. He gets there. He's got to get straight to work. It says it right here. He got there. They were tent makers. He made tents with them. Now, that wasn't Paul's purpose. That's not what Paul set out to do. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go out. I've been called to be a tent maker. This is what God wants me doing in this season. But he didn't allow his financial situation. Sometimes we are allowing our financial situation to keep us from pursuing our purpose. We talked last week about commitment and consistency. When I'm committed to the call of my life, then I don't allow anything to keep me from doing the thing that God has put me on this earth to do. There's an assignment on your life right now. And some of you are allowing your financial situation to keep you from your purpose. But Paul didn't do that. We can see here that Paul supported himself and then he did his preaching and teaching on the weekend. He allowed for his purpose to be to be his side hustle, for lack of a better word. Right. We can see that Aquila and Priscilla were a team working together towards one goal. They were on the same page about being tent makers. They were on the same page about supporting Paul and allowing him to be there for as long as he needed to be. The Bible doesn't tell us how long he was there. Right? This shows us that godly marriage is meant to be a partnership. All of these things coming together. Now, I know we're looking at it when we read the Bible. We're often putting ourselves in the position of the main character, for lack of a better word. So as you read this and study this, you're probably thinking about, okay, well, fo you're focusing on just the one thing. I got to this place and God has already gone before me. And so there's been a place provided for me, right? Um, I, I needed finances. And so God provided a job for me so that I could do this. I needed support. So God 
provided support. But when we study the word of God, it is so important for us to not get locked in there, for us to look at it from all angles, right? As we go from verse to verse, looking at it from all angles and from the angle of the marriage where they are working together as a team, we can see that godly marriage is meant to be a partnership. I think a lot of times when we hear about women in the Bible or we think about women in biblical times, we can often be given this impression like they had no rights or they had no roles or they were just you know, sitting around popping out babies. But marriage was then and is now and will forever be intended by God to be a partnership through which he can do work on the earth through. He's doing this through the marriage. And so they're supporting Paul, this couple supporting Paul. Timothy and Silas arrive. And when they get there, Paul now has the financial support. How do we know that? Because it says when Silas, verse five, when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively, exclusively. Before they got there, he was tent making. Now, we know Paul preached and teached alone. So he wasn't not preaching and teaching because Timothy and Silas weren't with them. He wasn't like, oh, well, I can't do it because my team's not with me. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do it because I don't have anybody on my team or I don't have staff. Or I don't have support. We've seen in previous chapters where Paul is working. He's doing the work. Right. He's out there speaking, teaching by himself. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over there. He's doing his thing. So then why is Paul not preaching and teaching exclusively? It's because his money ran out. Now, why his money ran out, his support ran out? Who knows? Maybe it was very expensive to let stay in Athens, which is just where he came from. Maybe um, they were separated for so long he didn't have a chance. But Timothy and Silas bring financial support that they've collected from the churches. Timothy and Silas are bringing support, which you can read in some of the other, in some of the letters can, can we time out real quick? Time out. I say this every week, you know, words find meaning in sentences. Verses, you see the meaning of the verses amongst the other verses in the chapter, in the book, in the Bible, right? It's These are not independent things. So while we're studying Acts, um, Paul, Paul is, this is the um, second mission trip that he's on. While we're studying Acts, there are letters that he's written. Letters that we haven't studied yet, right, in this church. There are letters to churches that have, that have been written. And it's in those letters to churches, to, those, to some of those churches, where we can see the background of what was happening during this time. So I'm not just making it up, but that's why it's important for us to know how to study the word of God, because then we don't we don't understand, you know, well, Paul was you know working before. And then when Timothy and Silas came, I could erroneously believe that Paul felt unable or um, ill equipped to preach and teach the word of God without his team. And if I think that that might keep me from you know, answering the call on my life because I don't have a team. And that's not what the word is saying. That's what it looks like. But that's not what it's saying. But you can't get that 
just by reading the chapter. You have to study the Bible. And when you study the Bible, you're going to be looking at other books and other verses, not necessarily in the book that you're focused on, because it's going to provide background and backdrop for you. It's going to give you insight that this chapter doesn't give you. Okay, so that's all I want to do here. So Timothy and Silas arrival that gave Paul the financial support he needed to preach full time. This shows us that the church gave so that others could hear the gospel. I'm going to say that again. Paul gets to Corinth. He's working and preaching part time. He previously was preaching full time, but now he's in Corinth. His money's a little funny, so he's working and preaching part-time. Then Timothy and Silas arrive from Macedonia, where they have financial funds, coins, that allows Paul to now preach full-time. Now, the people, the church, that gave the money on behalf of Paul did so not because the pastor had good preaching that Sunday, Right. Sometimes our giving, our giving is in response to how good the pastor preached. Like, oh, she did that. It was fire today. I'm gonna go ahead. Oh, he did that. It was fire today. So now I'm gonna give. I'm giving for this performative thing. Right. He did this thing. It was so good. So now I'm gonna give him a tip. Right. We out here tipping the pastor. Oh, the preacher wasn't that good today. So you did not feel moved to give. But the church is giving. Not so that they can continue to hear the gospel because they're already in church. They're already getting the word. They're already getting the teaching. No, these church members, these churches that Paul set up, they are giving their money. The church gave so that others could hear the gospel. So that those who had yet not heard it. So that Paul, the leader, the one God was sending and all his disciples and all their workers would be able to go and focus on the thing that God has called them to, the thing that God wants to use them for. It's just like with Peter. We saw early on, they were like, oh, the widows, you know, um, the widows are not, our widows are not being fed. Well, y'all remember that? It was way back in the early days of us studying Acts. Oh, the widows are not being fed. Well, and Peter was like, it don't make no sense for us to stop what we're doing to serve food. We came to preach. Not from an arrogant place, but from a place of understanding, this is my assignment. The Lord has not sent me to do that. So let's find, not that that's not important. It's very important. Let me find somebody else to do that so that I can continue to do and give my best time and my best efforts to this thing, the, the giving and the spreading of the gospel. We see the same thing happening here. Paul's like, okay, I got to work to make this money. So he's working to make this money. But the moment that the church has given enough to support him so that he can do it full time, it says he exclusively, Paul devoted himself to exclusively preaching and teaching in the synagogues. That's a different type of church. I wonder why we're giving. I wonder why you give. I, I wonder if you're giving to the church. I wonder what determines how often and how much you give. And if we're a church that has this understanding, I'm at church. And so I'm going to get a good word because I already know you know what it is. I'm coming to church prepared. This is where I've chosen to be. But I'm going to give so that others who don't have a church, 
others who haven't heard this preaching and teaching, others who are suffering from church hurt, others who have been manipulated and haven't been taught how to study the word. I'm going to give so that others could hear the gospel. And so now Paul is preaching and teaching exclusively. And there's he, he experiences this pushback as Paul is preaching and teaching. So now the Lord has supported me. Now he sent me some coins. I can continue to preach and teach. Now he's preaching and teaching every day. Now he comes up to this opposition. And we can see here that Paul's responsibility was to present the gospel, not to convince people. Verse six. It says, but when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. He did not go to convince them. He wasn't there trying to force them. He was like, you know what? My responsibility is to present not to convince. And when you understand what your your responsibility is, it helps you to see that, you know, rejection is redirection when, when you're committed to the call. I'll, I'll say that again. Rejection, because they're rejecting the message. I'm sure he felt rejected. Rejection is redirection when you are committed to the call. This is not about popularity. This is not about trying to convince you. It's about saying, I was sent to give a message. These people are rejecting the message. So th this is the Lord redirecting me, showing me, no, that's not what I've, that's, that ain't it right there. Those aren't the people who are to hear your message. Keep going. Redirection, redirection happens through re rejection when you're committed to the call. Rejection is redirection when you're committed to the call. He didn't allow the rejection to keep him from, to deter him, to stop him. He wasn't like, well, I came here and these people don't want to hear it. No, rejection is redirection when you're committed to the call. God is guiding you. We saw earlier on where God, you know, it says the Holy Spirit kept us from going here and the Holy Spirit kept us from going there. God is guiding you. When you understand that the call on your life is for you but it is not about you, when you realize that, then no matter what it is that comes your way, good, better, and different, you are not looking at that like, oh my goodness, this is the end for me. No, I haven't even done all the work that God has set me out to do. No, it's not good yet. I still, I don't still, I still, there's still so much work left to be done. It just means this ain't the place. So what did Paul do? He was like, I'm brushing this dirt. So this shaking out of the garment, right? He shakes this garment off, which you also see in like Ezekiel. You see that in some Old Testament. If you have a responsibility, I want y'all to catch this. I didn't write this down, but I just want to give this to y'all. Because he shook out his clothes in protest against them. If you have been charged specifically to preach to teach um, in ministry, if you have been, and you can you can play if you want, play with it if you want to, whatever. But if you've been called to preach and teach the word, there is a responsibility, says the Bible, on you to do so. 
and to not preach and teach, though you've been called to do it, means that the sin of those people that like their death is on your hands like a murderer. That's what the Old Testament, that's what he's referring to. That's why he says your blood be on your own heads, because as someone who's anointed to preach and teach the word, to not preach or teach the word means that the sin, their death, it's like, it's like you murdered them. I ain't gonna say it's like I murdered them because I'm a preach and teach. It's like you murdered them. That's how God holds you responsible. So those of you who've been called to teach and preach, y'all want to keep playing? And folks out here dying? Because the Lord says that blood is on your hands. That's, that's not me. That's what the Lord said. Y'all want to keep playing, keep stalling, keep talking about what you can't do? Mm, I'm going to move on. I'm gonna move. I don't know who that's for, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm move on. What Paul is saying here is, I have done, you can, maybe you don't know the gospel, but it ain't because I didn't come to tell you. That's what, that's what Paul is saying. Maybe you're not, y'all, y'all, y'all rejecting Jesus. It's not because I didn't come and tell you. It's not because I didn't do. So I, my hands are clean. The blood is on your own head. That's what Paul is saying there. He, and, and when Paul said he was done, he didn't have to go far to find those eager to hear the word of God. He literally went right next door. He was at the synagogue. He was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the Gentiles. He left, went outside, went outside the synagogue. Right next door was a house of Gentiles who had come, who had traveled, looking, longing to hear a word of God, longing to hear about the good news. What you need to understand is that you think it's going to be so hard. I know we talk about that. It's really not, friends. It's really not because this this work that, that God has sent you for is... It's, it's his work. So it means he's going to see it through. You know what I'm saying? It means he's, we can see he already has all these things ready for you. He sent Paul to, to speak a word. He sent Paul to teach and preach. He sent Paul to, and he tells them, keep doing it. You know, don't stop. He sends Paul to preach and teach. That means he's got people that are ready to hear. What you need to know is that your people, those that are assigned to you are ready for your message. They ready. They've been waiting. They have said, I wish there was something they couldn't even put words to. There was something they couldn't even verbalize it. They could I'm like, I don't, I can't put my finger on it, but I need something. Somebody was somewhere praying saying, I wish there was a church I could go to that would teach me how to study the Bible. Lord, I have this desire to study. I wish there was somebody who didn't want me to be dependent on them the whole time, didn't want to spoon feed me, didn't want to keep the secrets of how to study your words themselves. God, I wish there was somebody. There's somebody right now saying, God, I wish there was somebody that could help me to do these fun. God, I wish there was somebody that could show me because my spirit is saying the way that these gurus and big platform people are doing it, that just don't sit right in my spirit. I haven't found the right one. God, I wish there was someone. Your people, the people that God has assigned to you, they are already ready for your message, which is why it requires no convincing. The reason that convincing is not your responsibility because convincing is not required when the soil is already ready. Convincing is not required when the heart has already been searching. 
You don't need to convince me of something I've been praying for. You don't have to convince me of something I've been fasting for. You don't have to convince me. The people that you're assigned to, Paul walked right out the synagogue and walked right next door. They were ready to hear from him. He said, it says in verse seven, then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house, a worship uh, to uh, Titius justice, a worshiper of God. Christmas, the synagogue leader and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. Paul left the synagogue and preached at that house exclusively. Paul left the synagogue and was preaching and teaching and people who were looking could come and find him. Paul still stayed right next to the synagogue. People were willing to be ridiculed, attacked, all of that because he's still right next to the synagogue where he was just basically run out from all the opposition. The next thing that we see, which I think is a beautiful thing, is that Jesus encouraged Paul right when he needed it most. And it doesn't seem like this is a time where Paul would need encouragement because while, yes, he has experienced some rejection, now he's gone into a house where people can't wait to hear what he has to say People are telling their friends and their family about what he's doing. He's seeing lives are changed. He's seeing transformation. He is seeing, you know, positive outcomes, you know. But if you've ever started anything, if you've ever led any place, if you've ever felt like God has positioned you to do something that you weren't 100%, you were qualified for, then you know that sometimes that journey that you've gone through, it leaves you bruised and scarred, right? There was, um, even, even when you heal, there's still some scars. Even when you heal, there's still this thing in the back of your mind. It may not direct your steps every single day, but it doesn't always leave us. Sometimes it comes back. And there is some belief that when Paul was stoned and beaten, that he might have had uh, some permanent damage or some long-term damage. Maybe he hadn't completely healed from the stoning and the beating that he had taken previously. And so I wonder if at that time, even though Paul was experiencing what seemed like great success right next door to the synagogue, I wonder if his opposition sounded you know, was louder than the positive outcomes. I wonder if he, I wonder if his, the opposition that he experienced what felt like it was bigger than, bigger than what he was doing for them right now, right at this moment. If it was playing in the back of his head, like, okay, this is good now, but I've been in a good space before. Maybe Paul was just waiting on the shoe to drop. Maybe there was fear that was unspoken, but Jesus knew because it says that Jesus said to Paul in a vision, do not be afraid. There's no mention of Paul being afraid, but it stands to reason that maybe he carried fear with him. Right. From his past experiences it says, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent for I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. God gave some very specific encouragement. Don't listen to that voice in your head that says stop going. Don't don't listen to that voice that says 
You've been doing a lot. You've been going live too much. You've been talking too much. You've been preaching too much. You've been giving too much. You might need to slow down because, you know, something's going to happen. There's going to be this pushback. You know, it always happens. Every time you start to get in the flow and you're preaching and you're teaching and you're showing up, then then you, here comes that opposition. Does that happen to y'all? The second that you start getting um, consistent on your social media and your YouTube, and then it feels like there's this opposition that comes up. There's some backlash. There's somebody that misunderstood you. Some people are committed to misunderstand you, but I, I ain't going to go there today. Um, and so now Jesus is saying, don't stop doing what I sent you to do. Then he speaks directly to the fear that Paul, that is not mentioned here, right, to us by Luke. Don't worry about it. No one is going to attack you. Why would he say that specifically? Because Paul been attacked. Because Paul has been harmed. It happened before. I know. So as a result, Paul decided to stay. But I want to sit here for just a second. Paul trusted Jesus more than his own fear and his past experiences. There's something, I don't know who this is for, but there is something that you've been through before. You were already doing this. You were already trying to be a good wife. You were already trying to be whatever. And so you've been down this road before with this man. You've been down this road before with your finances. You've been down this road before in your business, in your ministry. You've been down this road before with your faith. And the last time you did it, the last season that you, you got to a place and you thought everything was going to be all right, you took hits. You were stoned. You were beaten. You were ridiculed. This is not something that could happen, but that has never happened. Jesus is encouraging Paul about something that has already happened to him. He has already had this experience. It's not, oh, this might happen. No, it happened to me. I've done this before. I, I tried this before. I, I was already trying to, you know, start a ministry. And then, you know, it was going good for a while. And then the people at the church, they hurt me. I was, I was already doing this. I had already decided that I was going to support somebody, that I wanted to be a part of something. I said I was going to partner with somebody, and then they stabbed me in the back. I already said I was going to forgive this man. I tried it, and we were on a good space, and things were going really well in the marriage. And then, boom, we took a hit. I already did this with this family member. You know, they were clean for a while, and I was supporting them and encouraging them. And then, boom, they stole from me, right? Somebody right now... The situation that you're in is reminding you of a previous time. I'm getting ready to face this, but I've seen this before. And it didn't turn out well for me then. I, I know that right now it looks pretty good, but it, it looked good before. Come on. And, and, it, and it didn't work out. I know they all start out saying that they're going to be great support and, and they want to help you do this work. And then they turn around and they leave you. They abandon you. You've been down this road before. God is saying to you, keep doing 
what he is calling you to do in this season. Keep showing up on social media. Keep looking for support. Keep giving that man the benefit of the doubt. Keep supporting that family member. That's on, It's on your heart to do so because he's got you. Trusting God is what gives us staying power. I, I, I can't stay, right? I can't stay without trusting God because I've seen this before. I can't stay because I've, I've seen this before. I, I did this I did this one time before. We've, we've been through this before. I've been through this before. This is not the first time I volunteered with a church. You think this is the first time? It's not the first time. It's not the first time that I led. It's not the first time that I decided to do this. It's not the first time that I tried to launch my business. This is not the first time. I try, I've been trying to launch this business for five years now. I've been trying, I tried to launch this business 10 years ago. But when we talk about commitment allowing you to be consistent, what, what you have to understand is that I can only get committed, get committed to the call on my life when I trust in God. Because it's that trust in God that gives you staying power. You don't need to trust the process. You don't need to trust the people. Okay? You, you, don't, you don't have to have any faith that he's going to change. You don't have to have any faith that she's going to be different this time around. But if you trust in God, that's the thing that's going to give you staying power. Now, Paul decided to stay out of faith because he trusted God, not because he hadn't experienced anything, because we know he had experienced some tough times. So Paul stayed because he trusted God. And as he stayed, the crowd, these people, these haters, they tried to take advantage of the fact that somebody new came to office. So Paul stayed and then there was a changing of the guard. There was a new um a new pro council in town. Somebody else got elected and they were like, yes, we're going to take advantage of that. And we're going to use this so that we can get him thrown out because this man is new here. Let me tell you this. We can see it don't matter who in office. God is still on the throne. They, they tried to, you know, get rid of him and all of this. They had a new one. Um, where are we? Verse 12. When Galileo, when Galileo was pro council of Achaia. The Jews of Corinth made a united attack on Paul. So they have a new proconsul, and now they are launching this attack. They want to use this, they want to use this to their advantage. And they kind of go and they talk to the proconsul and they they say he's teaching things that go against the law. They don't say it's the Jewish law that it goes against. They're hoping that because he's new, that maybe he's green and he will believe it's the Roman law. And so if it's the Roman law, here's the thing with, that you gotta know about Rome. You can only you, you could, if it was under Rome's empire, and it was, even though it was Greece, it was under Rome's empire. What you got to know is that um, you can only practice the religions that they said you could. That's it. So if you was trying to do something new, that's not going to happen. They're going to shut you down. It's illegal. You're going to be flogged. You're going to be in prison. You could be executed. So they are really trying to, they really try to set up all the Christians, not just Paul, and get him to think that they are doing this thing that goes against Roman law. Now, while the man don't care nothing about Jews, he don't care nothing about Christians, he's like, man, this is not, this ain't got nothing to do with Rome. This ain't no real crime. He might've even already decided 
that he wasn't going to get involved. He was just going to shut them down because there's this reputation at the time that the Jews are always writing about something. That's why they got kicked out of Rome. So he, he know about this. You know, this is his line of work. These folks always fighting, but writing, trying to kill people. They always causing an uproar. And, and the purpose of the pro-councils were to keep the peace above everything. So he's like, man, I'm not about to get in the middle of that. This ain't no real squabble. That's between y'all. Shut it down. That's between y'all. Shut it down so fast that Paul didn't even have to defend himself. Not because the man was Christian, not because the man was Jewish, not because the man knew God or heard from God, but because there isn't anything or anybody God can't use. Paul didn't even have to open his mouth to defend himself. He was getting ready to, he didn't even have to, the man just shut it right down. Not because he was a believer. See, you think that it's going to be a believer. You think it's only, it can only be somebody that believes in God, that fears God, that it's going to be able to be used by God. That's not true. There isn't anything or anyone God can't use. He used him. Protected Paul, shut it right down and made a way for Christians to be able to practice and follow and teach Christianity without the threat of execution or imprisonment. By saying, oh, y'all all the same, that means they could continue to have permission to teach and preach because he saw it as a part of one of the religions that was already legal and allowed. Boom. By doing that, by taking it to him, they actually, I mean, that's it's just like, this is what the enemy meant for evil. This is a perfect example of what the enemy means for evil God will turn it around for your good. They set out to attack Paul. They set out to cause problems for Paul and all his disciples and all the believers. They meant it for, for evil. But the very man they went to expecting a certain outcome because he was not a believer, because he was not Jewish, this very man they expected to be able to use against the Christians was actually used to solidify and sanction the right for people to follow that way legally. Mm. And so Paul stayed there. He was there for more than a year. Um, after being there a year, you know, um, Aquila and Priscilla, they were together. And Paul was there and they, they left with him. And when they left with him, he was going to Syria. They stopped in Ephesus. He stopped off in Ephesus. And then they stayed as he went on. This shows us something. The, the rest of these things I want to share, they really show us so much about leadership. Because Paul is a leader here. And you know a leader not by their title. It's not their title. It's not by their role but by what they do, right? Leaders develop other leaders and trust them enough to leave them to it. Not micro, godly leaders, true godly leaders, they develop other leaders. I don't need to be the only one that knows how to interpret the word. Y'all need to know how to interpret the word. I don't need to be the only one that knows what resources can help you to break down the word of God. I'm pointing back there. Y'all see, I brought my resources with me. It's, it's not, I don't need to be the only one. That's mm -mm. y'all need, because the Lord wants to use you. Yes, the Lord wants to use me. Praise God. And the Lord wants to use you. True leaders understand that, that they're not the only ones that God wants to use. They're not trying to have a monopoly on leadership. All right.
So Paul moves, Paul is there with them for a little bit. They want him to stay, but Paul does not stay. Um, where does it say that? They want him to say, verse 20, when they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But he said, if, you know, Lord willing, I'll be back. This is finally a place. I mean, listen, this is Paul's second missions trip, and he's been to a lot of cities. But a lot of places, people are kicking him out, running him out, plotting to kill him. He's got to leave in the dead of night so that people don't know that he left. He needs to be escorted. And a lot of the places that Paul was going to, he has not had a warm, maybe he's had a warm reception by some, but they ain't trying to get him to stay. They're trying to get him to go. Even some of the Christians are like, you have to go because if you stay here doing this, it's going to cause problems for us. So Paul hasn't been to in a lot of places where people are asking him to stay. And the Lord just had to encourage him, you know, that there are a lot of people here. It was a year and a half ago. But the Lord is, is encouraging him and telling him, hey, don't worry about it. I got a lot of people here. And so now these folks want you to study. But Paul declines. It's because Paul is driven by purpose, not popularity. Okay. When you are driven by purpose, popularity has no power. I'm going to say it again. When you are driven by purpose, popularity has no power. What's driving you? Purpose or popularity? When you're not posting because you're not getting enough engagement, I think it might be popularity and not purpose. When you are not hitting that record or publish button, it might be popularity and not purpose. When you haven't started the blog that God told you to write, maybe it's popularity, not purpose. I see you, friend, purpose over popularity. That's the mindset. That needs to be the mantra that we have. I'm going to serve God's purpose over popularity. I'm going to do what is purposeful. I'm going to do my purpose with great intent. I'm not going to worry about being popular, right? I'm going to do this thing that God has called me to do the way that he has gifted me to do it. I'm not going to be focused on popularity. And I'm going to tell you something. It's very easy. This is not a judgment. It's an observation. When driven by purpose, popularity has no power. When, when purpose is the driving force behind what you are doing. And, and it's, it's, not, it's not a judgment. It's really an observation. And it's like a red flag, something for you to look out for. Why have I not been showing up? Oh, because only two people came up. Oh, so do you want to be popular or do you want to live in purpose? Why didn't you do the YouTube video? Oh, because I only got five views. Okay, so you're doing it to be popular or you're doing it for purpose. And I'm talking for those of you who God has given you a purpose. You know what your purpose is. He's called you to it. And you just keep saying, well, I got to wait until well, I, you're waiting to be popular to do it. I ain't got time to sit here, but I'm going to sit here for just a second. It is so important, people of God, that we get tied into the purpose because the purpose is the thing that keeps us anchored to God, right? Because it's the thing that God has created us for. It's not some purpose that we ourselves have created. God created this. God had a purpose and then he created you for it. It is why you are breathing in and out. There is work that you were purposed to do on this earth for the kingdom of God. And sometimes when we look to the left and right, maybe not you, but me, I ain't going to talk to y'all. I ain't got nobody. I ain't, I ain't got nobody to talk to. I'm going to talk to myself. Maybe, maybe it's not you. Maybe it's just me. Sometimes 
we can start to focus on popularity more than purpose. Sometimes we started out being purpose driven, but our popularity, come on, God, convict me while I'm trying to preach these folks. Sometimes we can start out with purpose, with our anchor in God, but then we get into a place like Paul was and we get popular. So then we start to get complacent. We get popular. So then we start to set up tent, even though this is not the place that God has purposed us. We got popular and that starts to be the thing that feeds us and encourages us is the popularity. Oh, well, when I did it this way, I had more numbers. Oh, when I did it that way, I had more people coming, but this is the purpose. If I start to do it this way, then more people will follow me. If I start to do it this way, then my, then my platform will go, grow, right? He got to this place where he was popular and they were saying, oh, stay here, stay here. He was like, no, because popularity ain't my purpose. So Paul leaves Ephesus and goes on. And as he leaves, he's, you know, visiting all these places, uh, all these places where he set up churches. He's going back to encourage them and train them. And so now back in Ephesus um, is Priscilla and Aquila. And in enters this Jew, um, Apollos. Right. And Apollos comes in and he used all he had with boldness. He uses all he had. Verse 24. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man. That means he was educated. OK, he was an educated man. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. So he was educated formally and he also knew the Old Testament. He had thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. Listen, let me paint this picture. This dude came from money. Okay. He came from money. He was talented. He was a gifted orator. He was highly educated. I know he was came from money because he was highly educated and education wasn't free. You couldn't get highly educated unless you had coin. So clearly he had coin. He was also very talented. He was uh, he was gifted in. Um, so there were only two really schools, schools that you would like uh, go to for like higher education. Right. Um, you would be going for philosophy, which was you know, what the Greeks did, you were going to school for philosophy or rhetoric. And um, rhetoric is really uh, the study of, um, I wrote it down somewhere. It's like the study of speaking, kind of. Like, let me say, that's what it is. Um, he studied rhetoric, the art of effective or persuasive speaking and writing. That is, if there were degrees back then, Apollos had a degree in rhetoric, the art of effective and persuasive speaking and writing. He had a natural talent and he was highly skilled and educated. Can, just a time out. Can you imagine? Okay, okay, okay. Can you imagine what a powerhouse you would be? If you paired your natural talent, this gifting with formal education, and I don't mean before you start, I'm just saying 
Can you imagine if you got some education in the thing that you are gifted and talented in? I mean, Michael Jordan was already very talented, but he got some training. LeBron James clearly had a bend, a natural bend towards athleticism, but he got some training. Do you see what I'm saying? Whitney Houston could obviously sing, but she got some training. I wonder what, what I wonder what you would look like. I wonder what impact you would have if you would just if you would get a mentor, if you would get a coach, if you would get some training in the area where you already have a natural bend. I wonder because they every place that they talked about him, this boy was fired. You hear me? This dude Apollos was fired with the mic. It's if they had mics back then, he was fired with the mic. But do you know what? He ain't know everything. <laughs> he was he was very educated. So he was that means I'm supposed to be done. He was very skilled and um and 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 gifted in speaking and he was educated in how to do it. He was very skilled in that. Um and he knew the scriptures and he knew a portion of it, right? Um he knew a he knew a portion of it. Cuz he knew about John the Baptist. But, you know, John the Baptist died before Jesus was crucified and resurrected. So even John the Baptist, even when he was um, had disciples, he couldn't teach about the resurrection and the ascension and what it looks like to have the Holy Spirit come upon you. He didn't have that experience. And that was all Apollos knew. But he taught he taught what he knew, though. You don't need it all. You don't need to know everything. So don't get it twisted. That's not what I'm saying. You don't need to know everything. You don't need it all. You just got to give God your all. That's it. He didn't know everything, but he gave God all he had. He used all that he, and he didn't even have it all, but he used all that he had. He didn't have the full story. He didn't say, well, I'm not going to start preaching and teaching until I learned everything from Priscilla and Aquila. I'm not going to start preaching and teaching until I can sit at the feet of so-and-so for a year and a half, two years. No, he was like, I'm going to use all that I have to get started. And there may be people who have more than me. Verse 26, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Not he began to speak timidly, weakly, afraid that he had gotten into a place he wasn't supposed to be in. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, because these are true leadership, they didn't embarrass him. Instead, they focused on developing him. They didn't address him. Right. They didn't say, hey, that's not even where it end. You out here preaching or you going to come over here. With, you got because you got that money and that little education. But you ain't even you don't even know the whole story. They didn't do that. They didn't try to shame him. They didn't do anything like that. because They were true leaders and true leadership focuses on development. So they pulled him aside. Not only did they pull him aside, not only did they pull him aside, they pulled him in close and they mentored him because they were not threatened by his gifts and his talents or his status. And people love to hear him speak. I mean, so much so they preferred hearing him speak over Paul. Now we know he ain't no more than Paul, right? But there was no beef between him and Paul. There was no jealousy because the people wanted him instead of Paul. Paul wasn't like, oh, well, that little dude, he ain't even got, mm -mm. no, there was no jealousy. You know why? They were not threatened by his gifts, talents, or status. Why? Because this is about purpose. When it comes to purpose, there's no room for competition. Collaboration is what is required. 
when it comes to purpose, you want to say you're doing purpose work, stop competing. You want to say you're doing purpose. And that doesn't mean you have to mentor everybody. I can only mentor so many people. Mentor. I got a couple. I got a couple. Two mentees. I got two mentees. I can't mentor everybody. But it's not because you're my competition. You got, but, but they're not threatened. Sometimes we we feel threatened, right? Our eat because because we, we focus on popularity, and they might steal all the people. Come on, Jesus. They we we think about popularity. We're not thinking about purpose. I don't want to show you how I do this because you might take something from me, girl. Can't nobody take nothing that belongs to you. Come on now. God is with you. He is for you. He holds you in the palm of his hand. And there is something that he intended for you to have. And somebody else is going to come more popular, smarter, whatever, and get what you have. Girl, no. Mm -mm. What God got for me, I can get in a brown paper bag. You better tell somebody. Come on now. What God has for me, I can get no matter what my background look like. What God has for me, I can do it no matter what my camera looks like. I don't know if y'all can tell, but it's not my regular camera. What God has for me. So I don't have to compete with you. I can collaborate. I can mentor. I can coach. And I'm going to tell y'all this on the side. I'm going to tell y'all this. This this, this right here is just on the side right here. You better be careful working with investing in spaces where they don't want to pull the curtain back. Where they don't want to teach you how they got it. You pay to be in the space. You better be careful of those places. Those places are trying to keep you forever um, in need of them. You better start working with coaches and enrolling in programs that want to be able to send you out. That are equipping you. Not that spoon feeding you. You need you better go somewhere where they are equipping you. Not where they're not gonna tell you how to do it because they don't want you to be their competition. Girl, you couldn't be my competition, and that's no dig to you. But my name is Courage Molina, and there are things in this world that's got my name on it. And my dad, who's in heaven, he sees all things, and he ain't gonna let nobody pick up nothing that was meant for me. Same thing is true about you. There are some things with your name on it, Erica Davenport. There's some things with your name on it, Tiffany. There's some things with your name on it. You know what I'm saying? There are some things that God, look, your name is written on this thing. Hey, you ain't got no competition, baby. We It's purpose work. And purpose work was meant for us to do it together. It was meant for us to do it in collaboration. Not only did they mentor him, not only did they pour into him, right? They used their influence to help him and supported his calling. It's not that your expectations, oh, come on, Jesus. It's not that your expectations are too high. You expected, you hoped that because they poured into you, because they mentored you, because they trained you, that they would also use their influence to help you do the work that you were called to do. You, you, you didn't, that, you wasn't expecting too much. God put that on your heart because that's the type of leader he wants you to be. He allowed you to experience that because that's the type of leader he wants you to be. He wants you to be the type of leader that will mentor, that will pour into, that will train people in the very work that you do, and then will use your influence to help them receive a warm welcome because that's what Aquila and Priscilla did. 
They used their influence to help him. He was ready to leave. He had a heart. To, he didn't say, they didn't say, well, you so ungrateful. When you came here, you ain't even have none of that. You came here, we put you on, and now you want to leave. They didn't do that because they purpose focused. That's how you can tell the difference. And we're not talking about evil and bad. I'm just talking about purpose. They focused on the purpose. They focused on the call. Because I'm focused on the purpose and on the call, I can, I can use my influence to help you. I'm not mad when it's time for you to leave me and go on and do something else. You don't have to do it in the middle of the night. You don't have to be fearful of saying, oh, I'm going to leave. You got to be careful of that. You got to be careful, right? Amen, girl, that's it right there. Purpose folk know how to release people. You have got to be careful, one, that you are not up under somebody who's not purpose focused and so they are afraid to release you. They're concerned about popularity. They don't want you to be more popular than them. You have to be careful not to hold people out of fear that they're going to become more successful than you, out of fear that they're going to exceed you, out of fear of what other people are going to say because people are coming under you and growing and moving on. They, those that know, go, those that know, you know, y'all see that if you know, you know, those that know what they're going to say about you is you are clearly a healthy leader because healthy leaders multiply and send out. That was Jesus's model. He discipled them and sent them out. He discipled them and gave them his power. He discipled them and gave them his anointing. He discipled them and sent the Holy Spirit. He trained them, raised them up and sent them out to do work out to the ends of the earth. That's what he did. People were back. There were other people baptizing more people than them. He was like good for them. There were people that were out preaching and teaching. Paul said, so long as the gospel is preached, healthy leaders multiply. Healthy leaders are disciple makers. Paul discipled the couple. The couple discipled Apollos. Apollos went out and discipled the people. Do you understand? There are so many, so many people who are not tuned in to their purpose. People of faith, not tuned in to their purpose. That is why it is so vital for those of you called to Bold Faith Community Church to take being in your word as a part of your purpose work. It, it's so important for you, Bold Faith Community Church, for you to take, and I'm speaking to us, I'm speaking to the house because um, I know I serve a lot of entrepreneurs, purpose-driven women who have been called to the marketplace are called to lead ministries. You've been called to coach. You've been called to do podcasts and start nonprofit organizations. You've been called to do consult. Like you've been called to do some stuff that may not keep you in the four walls of the church. But if you've been called to lead, then you've been called to be a leader maker. And it gets very difficult to be a leader maker when you get caught up in popularity. And don't think that you are immune to it because the enemy is coming after whoever leaves the door open. And we leave a door open, we give him a foothold when we are not in the word of God, when we are not studying to show ourselves approved, when we are just reading the words and believe that our understanding equals interpretation, when we are not focused on becoming disciples of the word of God, because it's that discipleship that prepares and refines your character. So that no matter how popular you get, you don't start to focus on popularity. You can you have the discipline, right? Self-control to continue to focus on the purpose. 
in the people that God has called you to serve. And maybe you feel like you're out here doing this thing by yourself that you have been, maybe you've been chasing popularity. Maybe you've been chasing likes. And, and, and it's because you don't know Christ. If you don't know Christ, I want to invite you um, to get to know him today. So I want you to say this prayer, um, say this prayer with me. I definitely went over time. You know, I'm glad y'all stuck. I'm glad y'all stuck with me. I'm glad y'all are still here with me um, as I do this. But I want you to um, say this prayer along with me if um, if if you don't know Christ Jesus. Okay. Cause you got to know them. Maybe you've been chasing the wrong thing. And, and you know, now that that's, that's not what God has called you to. Um, Father, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe that you raised him from the dead. I now accept him as my Lord and savior. I accept the gift of salvation right now. Thank you, Father God, for forgiving me, saving me, and giving me eternal life with you. Amen. If you said it and you believed it, that's it. Welcome to the family. Let me be one of the first to welcome you to the family of God. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, listen, this is about an individual relationship with God, but you're not called to do it in isolation. We here at Bold Faith Community Church would love to um, gather around you. Send us an email at praise at boldfaithchurch.org. Let us know that you've made this decision to follow Christ so we can get some resources in your hands. Maybe you've decided to join like, you know what? This is about to be my church. I need to be in a community like this. This is exactly what I've been praying for. Send us an email and let us know. Praise at boldfaithchurch.org. If this message has blessed you, and you like the church from Macedonia and all those places that Timothy and Silas went to, you want to help us to spread the gospel, then you can give your tithes and offerings at boldfaithchurch.org. You can give as a member your tithes. You can set up as a friend of the ministry and also give reoccurring giving so that we can continue to take the gospel out to the ends of the earth. If you absolutely love this um, message, if it blessed you, don't forget to like this video. Be sure to share this video. And if you have not subscribed, go ahead and subscribe to this channel right now. We are here Monday through Friday with Mornings in the Word, where we are um, reading through the Chronological Bible reading plan. And then we are here Saturday morning at 8 a.m. EST, Monday through Friday, it's 7 a.m. EST. Now it is time for us to get into the uh, Bold Life community groups. It's time for us to get into these Bold Life community groups. So come and join us over there. Um, if you need more information, you can go to boldfaithchurch.org. Um, I'll see you in the community. Love you. See you in a minute. If this episode has blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else so that you too can be a blessing. If you'd like to connect with us and help us to do the work that God has called us to do, you can give at boldfaithchurch.org. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at boldfaithchurch and connect with me at Courage Molina. Thanks so much. Be sure to catch the next episode right here.